0: You're listening to Out of the Box, a place for marketers to get inspired, get going, and break Out of the Box. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Jess Overton. You're listening to Out of the Box, the marketing podcast exploring out-of-the-box approaches to marketing and growth. Today, I'm joined by Martin Lancey, who's responsible for growing LinkedIn's mobile presence through preloads. Martin, thanks very much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Jess. Appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. So to start, I, I know you've 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 worked at a, a couple of pretty big name companies. Can you give us a, a thumbnail of your journey in the growth marketing industry? How you ended up at your current role in LinkedIn?
1: Absolutely. So in my previous role at Google, where I was about um, for a decade, I was heading up their global app distribution efforts. Google had built about a hundred different apps. And some of those apps did not enjoy organic growth. Advertising was um, had proven to be quite expensive. So I started exploring preloads by talking to the product teams, really understanding the product, to understand what the monetization opportunity would be. And after heading up those efforts and doing preload deals with the top 10 Android OEMs, LinkedIn reached out to me about three years ago to help them set up their mobile growth program, including preloads. So that's what I've been doing at LinkedIn. and uh, Currently, we're, um, we're preloaded on up to 500 million Android smartphones a year. So it's been, it's been a great success for the company. And I really enjoy working in mobile growth in general. I think it's a really interesting space with a lot of opportunity.
0: Definitely. Now, I, I, I live and breathe preloads, and, and you've been living and breathing them for, uh, uh, for quite a long time. Can you maybe give a, a, a two or three sentence summary of what preloads mean to you as a marketer?
1: Preloads is both a distribution play to ensure that many people around the world, not just in the developed world, can find your app, but also it decreases the friction in the app install advertising funnel. The majority of users have to click in an advertisement will drop when they have to install the app from the Google Play Store. And Preloads effectively um, circumvents that need because people will automatically go into the app.
0: Right. Well, I, I don't think I, I could have summarized that better myself. Uh, it's certainly a, a great opportunity. And, and I mean, I, I know from my experience, certainly I've worked in, generally I've started in relatively small outfits, uh, uh, small to medium-sized companies. And, and, you know, I've got a pretty good hold on, on how to grow something that's in that sort of range and, and make it big. What was it like coming into a company like LinkedIn that was already so big and having to then unlock a huge amount of growth?
1: It was really interesting. I think um, just like with any new program for a company, no matter what the size, there will always be skeptics, which is good because you want to be challenged, uh, which makes it important to really present the business case in a way that's relatable for everyone at the company. There is... um, I am very fortunate because even though I'm on the business development team, I have a dotted line into the cross-functional growth team at LinkedIn, which is an unbelievably talented team of product marketing, data science, biz ops, product, engineering, infrastructure, legal procurement, trust, and finance. So they were bullish on the case, but having um, the... The approvals and the research backing from the executive team in the beginning was quite challenging. So it was really important that the first few partnerships were a great success. And as you know, they take a lot of time to set up, to build that trust with the Android OEM or with an mm-hmm. intermediary to go live. So it's, um, it wasn't easy, but you know, like everything in life, it's, it's good to be challenged and to build something from the ground up is, um, very rewarding, especially when it works.
0: Definitely. I'm interested to know a little bit how you identified those early opportunities and and really estimated what partnership was going to be, you know, your proof of concept, as it were.
1: Got it. I think from a scalability perspective, you know, when you you identify Android OEM top five, you're looking at Samsung, Xiaomi, Oppo, Vivo. Uh, That's top four. And so from a scalability perspective, I was hyper-focused on those four OEMs. And then I was, from a feasibility perspective, you know, it's a negotiation play to understand how can you pay the Android OEMs? Is it possible to pay not just for the install, but maybe for an action in the app so that we have a better understanding of our LTVs and the Mm -hmm. ROI positivity of, of the deal? And through those lenses of prioritization, we managed to kick off a first partnership with Xiaomi that has been incredibly impactful for our company from a growth perspective. And they're also a really great company to work with. So we were at their headquarters in Beijing, just north of Beijing a few years ago, sharing Hotpot. They, um, they're, they're really great people to work with. And they're obviously growing year over year in staggering numbers. And not just in the American markets. I mean, they're still predominantly in India, but we also see a lot of growth from our preloads in their geos uh, all over Europe, for example.
0: Well, I, I hope that one day in the not too distant future, we'll be back in China having hot pots with, uh, with partners. Um, and <laughs> it certainly looks like we're headed that way. Uh, but you, you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the word LTV because I know that uh, in the past, at least there, there's been a lot of, at least I've been part of a lot of conversations where there's a, a, a contrast between the, you know, the value of, of users that can be brought through a preload channel versus the brand awareness angle. How, do you, how, do, how does that impact LinkedIn's growth strategy? Are you looking at, at it more from an LTV perspective and really driving installs from high LTV users through preloads? It, or is it more a, a brand awareness thing?
1: Love that question. Thank you for asking that. To answer your question directly, it's still hyper-focused on LTVs, mostly because the preload program is also being compared in terms of effectiveness and ROI positivity with our paid advertising campaigns. And that team is also doing a phenomenal job. So we're still very focused on the LTV. And you'd be surprised that even with the brand awareness that LinkedIn enjoys, we still run some brand awareness campaigns. For example, there were billboards just here in San Francisco. And the reason for that is because we, as a platform, have traditionally seen a lot of success in the category what we would call knowledge workers. Could be, for example, anyone with a college degree, Typically people in sales, software engineering, consultancy, et cetera. However, we now see um, a lot of value as well for what we call first line workers. This could be Walmart associates, Starbucks baristas, you know, people working a first line retail job, and we, we want to make sure that we're at a very inclusive platform. So all the product features we've built, we've, for the first question we ask is, is this inclusive to everyone in the global workforce? And that's also the, uh, the vision of the company. We want to create economic opportunity for the global workforce, which is a total addressable market of $3 billion, And there's a lot of opportunity there. So naturally, we by, by also focusing on brand awareness, and in part through the preloads, because you do have the app icon preloaded on that phone, albeit mm-hmm. it might be on the second or maybe even the third screen, it might be in a folder. We still see a lot of people clicking on the app and then converting into signing up, and and that in itself is brand awareness. Obviously, very uh, a little bit harder to measure, but we we do measure the LTVs from sign ups and sign ins uh, per deal.
0: I'm interested in the the maybe shift not away from knowledge workers, but certainly towards integrating a, a much wider audience into into the LinkedIn platform. Is something is that something that has been accelerated by COVID-19, or is it something that COVID-19 even spawned? I, I'm, I'm interested to know how that's come about.
1: Excellent question. Yes, it is. It's both push and pull in the sense that from a push perspective, we, we do just organically find first-line workers finding out the value of the platform of LinkedIn and um, building their skills by using LinkedIn Learning. We have many free courses on LinkedIn Learning, so people can better understand how to apply for a job, how to um, build your resume, your profile, et cetera. On the, on the pool factor, we, we're also just practically working to understand, okay, how can we accelerate this trend and how can we become even more valuable to first-line workers? Because there's just a ton of demand on in, in that space in general. And it's really exciting. It's actually the, the most like internal motivator for me to get up and, and really enjoy my work because naturally, I think there's um, there's an organic fit between between first line workers, uh, emerging markets, and Android. So from a from a growth perspective, that's really also where LinkedIn has the majority of its growth. To still um, explore outside of knowledge workers in the developed world, and I'll be hyper focused on making sure that we continue to grow, but in the uh, first line worker front, so to speak.
0: That sounds like a puzzle piece finding its exact match you know there's so many things that come together there that that really do make a very strong case uh, uh for for preloads you've said that preloads are are more of an art than science i uh, I'd like you to expand a little bit on that because in our world uh you know of marketing and, and uh, where where everything and absolutely everything is measurable, we really have got most things down to a science right so Tell me a little bit more about that. (laughs) Yes,
1: you're you're absolutely right. And that's, I I have said that before, that preloads is more of an art than a science. I'll I'll tell you, that's typically not what I lead going into an executive conversation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would imagine not.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Because as you know, especially in tech companies, like everything needs to be measurable. You know, data drives good decision making. And with, with preloads, there's just so many things that you have no control over. You don't know on how many devices you're preloaded, unless you're loaded in the system partition, but I would avoid that because then the app is uninstallable. That tends to drive the majority of negative App Store reviews. So if you're just preloaded in the data partition, you don't know you're on that phone until someone actually clicks on that app icon for the first time, and that's when your servers will get a ping. That's when you can do things like notifications, and, and you can convert those users to um, signing, signing up or signing in. So the, <laughs> that, that's one. Two, contractually, most Android OEMs, if not all, will not guarantee your preload on their phones. It is, it, the contract is there for, uh, for obvious reasons, but I, I strongly believe that it's mostly trust-based. It's just, it's, it's an agreement between you and the Android OEM. And in true partnerships fashion, it needs to be a win-win. And as long as, as long it's a win-win, you'll continue to see great growth through the preload partnerships. But if for whatever reason, it's not generating enough revenue for the Android OEM or it's not a good brand play for the Android OEM, they don't see any value for their users in having your app on the phone, then they could effectively just immediately pull the deal and, and that's why it's more art than science, um, because you, you have to, um, you, you can only uh, use certain amounts of data from the MMP that you work with, which is mostly related to when someone has clicked on the app and then what happens right after. So it's quite limited from that perspective, especially when you compare it with advertising, because it's so much easier to measure there.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I guess I, I gather from from your answer that the art really is in that partnership, right? It's a little bit more of a uh, of a human interaction, and I love that thought of uh, of you know coming back to positive sum games, where in so many places these days uh, we seem to see zero sum games, or at least people thinking that uh, uh, that things are a zero sum game, um, and that's sort of the 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 top of the funnel, if if you will. Uh, I'm wondering also how you then measure the success of of the actual on-device marketing activity, which I would call then, I guess, the, the bottom of the funnel.
1: Yes, so we we are focused mostly on sign-ups and sign-ins. So when, when those smartphone customers actually find value in either signing up and start using our platform, and then we also measure the retention, but also existing members maybe for the first time signing into the app, right? They might only use us on desktop. We see a lot of value from that. And that's important also as a total percentage of number of preloads to understand that it's valuable for that android OEMs users in general we want to make sure we're above a certain percentage of those people actually finding value of having that preload on the phone so that it's in no way regarded as a type of bloatware for example
0: gotcha yeah super important i think a lot of people uh, that have heard the term preload certainly have made that association in the past, and I imagine that much of our audience have probably not had a huge amount of experience with on-device marketing, and have thus, you know, they they might still have that connotation, or they might have had a bad experience a decade ago when uh, uh, when the the, the bloatware uh, issue was really was really quite a bit hotter. So I'm wondering if if for app marketers who don't have that much experience in on-device marketing. What what do you think are the key considerations?
1: It's a great question. I think since it's quite challenging to build partnerships directly with Android OEMs, I'd first launch a test with you, with Iron Source. And there's another partner out there that offers you the ability to sort of test out the markets and get more familiar with the space. I mean, you know, your company has a stellar team working in the space and are have great insights to share. So I think that's how it would start. Um, It's just, you can get a test up and running in a couple of weeks, whereas you cannot really test a direct deal with an Android OEM. It's very complex to manage those deals. It'll take about at least three months, probably up to nine, in order to build that trust, a potential visit to their headquarters in Asia. And then it will take another three to six months before you're actually preloaded on the device and see any sort of returns and then it will be a year into the deal and uh, for you to ramp up completely to their total shipments and have a better understanding of what the upside could be for you so that's that's one consideration i think too really important to work with your other growth teams specifically advertising because if you're let's say you do a deal with xiaomi and now all of a sudden you're on many millions of devices in india then your paid marketing team might want to shift into spending more in other markets than India so you don't cannibalize. On the other hand, you could build the case to say, because you're preloaded in India, and if you have high enough LTVs, the cannibalization doesn't matter, and you mm-hmm. uh, effectively increase the advertising campaign efficiency because you remove that frictional step when someone clicks on an ad, goes into the Google Play Store to install the app, and there's a massive drop-off, now immediately they go into your app, so it really depends on the LTVs and and sort of what the strategy is for certain markets. Majority of um, growth teams at tech companies are still really focused on highly monetizable markets, which is typically the US, Canada, Western Europe. And um, my understanding is that your company also offers products, especially in those markets. So I think that's a great way sort of to get into it, and then. If you have the resources, meaning you have someone on the business development team who can set up direct deals with Android OEMs in the long run, once you have sort of validated the hypothesis that preloads is, in fact, a good opportunity for your company to grow, then I, I agree it's it's interesting to um, explore those deals and, and see how it goes. But just manage everyone's expectations that it's art, not science. <laughs> if anyone is <has> looking <laughs> for short-term returns, it will take a while before you'll be able to see that.
0: So it sounds to me that not only you know if we if we actually remove the whole uh the, the managing the OEM partnerships and the relationships on that side it actually sounds like you've got quite a unique position within your organization where you have to be cross functional. You mentioned that at the beginning of our conversation but really that that sort of preload angle you you do have to sort of parachute in and out of the other marketing activities to make sure that you're either getting out of each other's way or leveraging the fact that you can both operate within a space and make things much more efficient.
1: That's right. Well put. That's exactly it. It's, um, it's wow. really important that we do that. And and what I also love about working at LinkedIn, we are a product driven organization from a decision making perspective, which means that whatever our preloads team and the paid marketing team come up with, we will always get feedback from our cross-functional partners, specifically in product and business operations, that will act as a sort of like a neutral party to really compare and contrast the, um, the effectiveness and the impact that both programs can drive to ensure that we make the right investment
0: decisions. That sounds like a really efficient and smart way to run things uh, and, and, and not to get into each other's way. Um, certainly in a big company, that's that's, that's, that's that's got to be a big consideration. I'm wondering what you think about the relevance for smaller companies, right because you, you you've, you're working with LinkedIn now, which is obviously a huge name. You came from Google, which is an, <laughs> arguably an even bigger name. What do you think about, uh, about you know, I say Mom and pop, but the mom and pop apps of the world, uh, uh, the, you know the smaller development houses, the guys who are just breaking into markets where 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 can a preload strategy fit in for uh, uh, for an outfit like that?
1: I think it might not be so much a question of the size of the company. It might be more a question of the functionality of the app. For example, if you uh, if you have an app that has is valuable to the users of those, um, sorry, the customers of that smartphone, and it doesn't compete with any other app that is either installed by Google or another partnership. Or a preload partnership that the partner have, I think there's there's a case to be made for doing preloads. And easiest way to scale is obviously start with you as a company, and then maybe explore direct deals if you have the bandwidth and resources to do so. And and to make that more tangible, for example, highly monetizable apps in the news space with a lot of advertising, gaming apps with very high LTVs. They could easily make the business case to say, well, we have high enough LTV, so let's just spend lots of this money on preloads. It's you know buy low, sell high, and you very quickly understand your ROI positivity. You can just um, optimize those campaigns directly with your company. Um, you don't have that flexibility and granularity of targeting if you do a direct deal. Typically, you're just preloaded on all devices globally, uh, except mm-hmm. for China, where the Google Play Store is not available. So that's, that's the example of like what could work from a preload perspective if you have one of those types of apps or fall into one of those categories, or social, for example, something with high brand equity. On the other hand, if you are a gaming app and the quality of the game might not be great, but the monetization might be there, the Android OEM oh yeah, might not want you on that phone because they don't really see the value at in terms of um, providing the best experience of apps offered to their customers on the phone. So I think it's also really important that your app enjoys a certain reputation, has a certain amount of brand equity, and then that there's a benefit to that OEM as well by saying like, hey, we have all these apps on the phone. We think these these are useful for you because some of these Android OEMs in the past have had have received feedback from their customers to say, hey, this app actually is not um, beneficial to us at all. And then they would have turned down um, future partnerships based on that feedback.
0: Right. Well, Martin, I think, you know, getting your inputs, getting your views on, on how preloads can be a part of a, a wider marketing and a really effective marketing strategy has been super interesting. And I think we also ended there with, uh, with some really good practical advice for people who are, who are considering or looking to expand their marketing mix. I'd like to end today with a question that I've been asking most of my guests recently. Uh, and that's uh, for, for you to tell us what, what's an out-of-the-box marketing campaign that stood out for you recently?
1: Fun question. Um, let's see, what comes to mind is pretty much everything that Patagonia does. I know it's not digital marketing in general, but I think there's just really, really strong, creative ways of thinking about, you know, sending a message to their customer without selling the product itself. And I think it's very powerful. And then two, the other example I'd like to briefly mention, I think Apple's done a really good job in terms of advocating their privacy across their product lines.
0: That's certainly a challenging sell. Cool. Uh, Well, Martin, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a very insightful uh, uh, episode. I'm sure we'll get a lot of value from it. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Jess. Have a good one.
0: You too.